We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Daymore NBA podcast, and with the NBA draft uh, one week away, this is our big board. Well, we we started off doing this um, as a quarantine boredom sort of thing. Um, Wildeberg is here with me, as he has been for all these draft pods we've done. He's the assistant men's basketball coach at the University of St. Thomas, and uh, yeah, he's also my friend, and we, out of boredom, we just decided to start watching these dudes on Synergy, um, two players at a time, and recorded a pod, you know, every week or so. And, and Will, if I'm being honest, I, I, I think we talked about this, and I was like, all right, I'm going to be a draft guy this year, just out of, out of boredom. And now I, 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 can't, I can't ever see myself not doing it again. This has been for someone like me who's who's so invested in the NBA, it seems silly that I ever wasn't this in, invested in it, and I want to do it every year. Yeah, it's been great. Um, I've obviously followed college basketball closer than than the NBA over the last few years, so I've always been like the NBA draft is probably my favorite night of the year yeah. for, for, from a basketball NBA standpoint. Um, but it's been fun to actually like go into it more in depth than I have in the past. It's like it, it's it's dumb in hindsight that I felt like somewhat informed on the draft in past years. Like I, right. That I, I feel stupid that I ever had opinion like, Oh, that was a bad pick. And I'm like, what did I, you mm. know, what did I know about the 17th overall pick in 2016 or whatever? And, and that, that's, what's cool. And you know, obviously our boards here are going to be wrong. Um, our opinions are going to be wrong and we're going to, we're going to disagree with the picks or we're going to agree with some picks and it, it doesn't really matter <laughs> what we think, but at least we're, um, I feel informed on this year. We, we've ripped through the synergy literally on pretty much every single one of these, at least first round prospects. And, and now, you know, we, 
we put together these boards. Uh, today, they're just lotteries, uh, lotteries for each of us. You're going to do your lottery. I'm going to do my lottery. We'll kind of bounce back and forth. I'm sure that will end up being more than 14 players. But, um, but yeah, we'll, we, we've obviously already talked about these guys in, in longer form uh, in previous podcasts. But, you know, this is where we, we put it down in pen and be like, you know. <laughs> right. If we were if we were in War Room X, you know, and this isn't just to be clear, this isn't necessarily like Timberwolves big board. This is just overall exactly. Yeah, okay. this is just what we we watched. Yeah. We watched the film. We don't have access yep. really to their agents or anything like this. It's just we are not experts. At this. We are not. We are not experts, but we watched it. We we right. watched the film. Um, I definitely might be dumb at basketball. You're actually a basketball coach, so you, you at least at least carry some expertise in it. But whatever, it's uh, you know what you're gonna get from us. It's it's the same thing we've been doing. It's based off the film. It's not based off of teams, and and we're just gonna rip through it uh, with what with what our boards are. I'm gonna I put down all like the other quote unquote experts um, mm-hmm. where where they rank these guys. So we'll kind of compare and contrast where each of us are at and where where those guys are at. So. With that, three minutes of rambling. <laughs> Who's number one on your board? James Wiseman. That's a change. That you texted me and I knew I'm pissed. That I know. I, I'm pissed. I I'm not surprised. I, I couldn't resist. Do All right. Do, tell do, me why. Um, any, well, first of all, anyone who's listened to these knows like the, the consensus top three are Wiseman, Ball, and Edwards in some order or another. And I, I'm not going to go into it too in-depthly in because we've, we've talked about it a lot already, but I've got major concerns about Ball and Edwards and and Wiseman to some degree too. But I and like I like I texted you, he was the only one I texted you about. But like I said, I just think he's got the combination of the highest ceiling and the highest floor. Sure. Like if it doesn't if it doesn't if he doesn't reach like his max potential, I still think he's going to be a very valuable, solid player in the NBA. Whereas Edwards and Ball, I think if it doesn't work, it might really not work. Where they're you know not playing a ton, whatever. But so for me, Wiseman is, is the, the safest yet still has a lot of upside. Okay. I want to, I want to ask you about the, the floor thing quickly, but first I just want to go through where other people have them. Um, and first James Wiseman is seven foot one, seven foot six wingspan, two thirty seven was a freshman at, at Memphis this year. Kevin, the, the, the five people I have marked down are Kevin O'Connor at the ringer, Sam Bassini at the athletic, the Draft Express guys at ESPN. Kevin Pelton is also at ESPN, and he just has a straight analytics board. Um, and then Chad Ford. So those are the five I have. With James Wiseman, Kevin O'Connor has him sixth on his board. Vicini has him two. Uh, Draft Express has him three. Pelton's stat board has him 16th. And uh, Chad Ford has him second. So I think baked into all of those except for the stats ones, which I don't even really know how you begin to really gather stats on James Wiseman. Um, they do seem to agree with you on on the floor element to you know to, to some degree. What what is that floor for James Wiseman? It's a rim running, rim protecting center who is kind of like a I don't know a DeAndre Jordan type of type of player, um, a guy who protects the rim really, really well. I do think he projects to be a good defender. Um, mm-hmm. I'm with you. And, and for me, like James Wiseman was the number one ranked high school player. His his very limited time at Memphis, he was he dominated, and I think had he played the whole year, and and played well, I think he would be a lock to be number one. Um, I, I I see that too. The biggest risk is we didn't see him enough, and so it's hard to it's hard to take a guy first who 
played three games. And I mean, from the, the people I have talked to, it, that's you know that that is the concern with Weisman is every time they bring it up, they go. But numerous people have said it's hard to take the bet on Wiseman because you're not only taking a bet on three game sample size of film, you're you're so you they don't have this opportunity to watch him in person this year, right? Like they haven't they haven't had the work, they haven't those things. That would be an extremely valuable for James Wiseman, and he probably would have done looked really good mm-hmm. in a in a gym by himself. So that isn't there. What again? What what I've heard is is people have been very reliant on whether it's AAU people or people who really have followed, you know, kind of these high school guys from their, you know, age 15 to 18 before, before they went to, before they went to college. So I think if James Wiseman ultimately does go one or if he goes top three, it will be because a front office has shored up some of those insecurities, right. right? From, from somebody who actually had watched him play and at least look dominant, you know, right. b- b- before he was at the, the college level. No, I agree with that. The The other reason that I kept going back to is the pushback on taking Wiseman one is, you know, centers are a dying breed, and why would you take a center one? And I get that. It's a guard-heavy league. It's a wing-heavy league. But at the same time, in order to be a guard, a really good guard in the league, you have to be so good, right? Like, you sure. have to be at such a high level to be a valuable point guard or a valuable wing player in the NBA, where – just because you're the top wing in this draft doesn't mean you're going to be one of the top wings in the NBA. Just because you're a top mm-hmm. guard in this draft doesn't mean you're going to be one of the top guards in the current NBA. So for me, I looked at it, and I looked at Edwards, and I looked at Killian Hayes, and I looked at Lamelo Ball, and I was like, these guys are the best at their positions in this draft, but can you? I can't see them being one of the best guards in the league. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Where I, where I think centers, yes, they're, they're, they're not nearly as many really good centers as there are guards and wings, but – Again, we talked about the NBA Finals. If you do have one of those centers, for sure, the the supply of them isn't that isn't that big. The supply of point guards is massive. We talked about D'Angelo Russell, who's really good, who was maybe the t- the I don't know where he landed when we did that ranking, sixteenth like or something. Yeah, yeah, so he's like an average starting point guard in the NBA, and he's really really good. I don't think right. And if you compare that to the av- like who's the sixteenth best center, correct? He probably so, makes like five million bucks. Yeah. So for me, that's kind of where I landed. Like. If, if D'Angelo Russell is the 16th, whatever, we're making this number up right now, but if he's mm-hmm. the 16th best point guard in the NBA, I don't think any of these other guards are going to get to D'Angelo Russell's level. So I, that's kind of where I was like, well, let's kind of, when everyone's zigging, let's zag and let's go center. Right. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not against the, the big idea. And I, I kind of want to put a pin on this for when we, uh, I say, when we get to Aaron Neesmith. Um, I like the idea of his floor too, and I want to kind of compare those two players' floor. Just the idea, like philosophically, right? Like the the floor as you're bringing up there, mm-hmm. the floor of a wing, the floor of a shooter. Like how does that compare to the floor of a big man? And and I think I, I acknowledge. I, I should say James Wiseman's number three on my board, and um, I, I've kind of been at this place for a while now. Kind of a I know this sounds like a cop out. One A, one B, one C with Ball, Edwards, and Wiseman, um, and. I think for me, on the, on the other end of the spectrum from you, the, the reason I, I feel feel confident about Wiseman as three, which I think is still you know relatively high, and I wouldn't have any problem taking him number one overall, any team, um, is that I, I, I see the upside. And kind of to, to your draft point of, um, of – or the NBA Finals point, where if it works, if you become 
a top five center in the league, you were extremely valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we, we know that with Embiid. We know that with Jokic. We know that with Cat. And now maybe we're like a little bit further down there and we're talking about like Gobert or something like that for Wiseman for a more, more of a reasonable upside. And I know people are probably hearing this and thinking, well, you know, what is Gobert in the NBA Finals? Is, some, is he somebody who's going to be able to be attacked just because the nature of a, you know, a switch-heavy, a pick-and-roll sort of league? And, and there is some of that with James Wiseman. I personally believe that we've come to this point where we overrate that with bigs, where we're like, oh, you can't – if you're not Bam Adebayo defensively, like, right. you're trash. That's just, that's just not the case. That's, like, part of defense. It is extreme – my point is it is extremely valuable – to provide what Rudy Gobert provides. <laughs> That's not a hot take. Right. But, but that is, that is what, what James Wiseman well, could be. We're taking a one-year sample size, but if you look at the, the two teams in each conference finals, right? you have the Lakers, mm-hmm. really good bigs, Denver, Jokic, Miami, Bam, Celtics, whatever. That's the one exception. But functional. Celtics but, were functional. But so yeah. I'm saying like the three, Celtics are, the, are the, the other argument there. Three of the four teams yeah. in, the, in the conference finals had maybe the three best. I mean – and beads in there somewhere too, but like three of the top five centers in the NBA. Yep. So it's just, I don't know. It's and I don't they, think they still I matter. People was cherry picking. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm totally yeah. with you that we again we did we spent like a half hour on Wiseman's film last week and we and we talked about that and and that that's that's my contention. Spent we, a half hour on ten minutes of his film. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's true. That's true. Um. All right. Let's let's move on. Um. From Wiseman to number one on my board, uh, which is which is Lamelo Ball. Um. I'll start with again his 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 height and where he's ranked elsewhere. He's six seven, six ten, uh, one nine six seven in height in shoes, six ten wingspan reportedly, hundred and ninety pounds. Kevin O'Connor at the ringer has him three, Vicini has him one, Draft Express has him one, Kevin Pelton, the stats one, has him one, Chad Ford has him one. Where are you at with him? Where where, where did you just give me your number of him first? Eight. eight. Okay. I think we've we've moved to a place, and th- th- I know this isn't isn't really what we're trying to do here. We're trying to we're trying to talk about the film, but I do think, evidenced by those numbers of some of the more respected people, we've moved to a place where Lamelo Ball is getting close to a consensus number one yeah. player in in this class, and 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 I say that to be to mean that I, I feel like we've buried that all along. And obviously you're gonna you're gonna disagree with this, but th- from the first time I watched, I watched Anthony Edwards before I watched Lamelo Ball, and Anthony Edwards was number one on my board. From that point on, once I watched Ball, Ball became number one on my board. I decided to to put his name and all that baggage and that crap to the side, which I, I mean factor that in. I don't I don't know if, if you do or not, but but I think this was this was the most enticing player in in this class. He has, we, we talk about floor, he has, he has a bankable skill in, in his ability, coupled with his size, to read the floor and be able to pass an elite level. I think, I believe we know that in, in LaMelo Ball. And I think with, with Wiseman and Edwards and some of these other prospects, their quote-unquote top skill or bankable skill is much more theoretical. I think we know that about Ball. Now, the questions are, and the reason why somebody wouldn't have him at one, is you don't believe in the shot. You don't, you don't believe in the defense, and, and you don't believe in the engagement. For me personally, and then I'll let you talk, I, I, I do believe in the shot, and at least in his willingness to take it and, and in his touch. I believe in his size defensively, and I think the, the biggest issue is going to be his ability to 
be impactful at all three levels, namely at the rim. I'm cautiously optimistic that with the 6'7 height, 6'10 wingspan, that he's going to be able to put on some size, a little bit of strength to, to be able to finish at the rim. And if he does that, I, I, think, I think you have a player who fits this modern NBA in, at a really dynamic level. You're not like all those points you made are a hundred percent right, and I, yeah, that's right. It, <laughs> and I'm going to go on the record like there's a chance I'm just completely wrong. Like there's a chance that all everything you said comes to fruition. He's the best player in this draft, and I'm going to look like an idiot. I acknowledge that, and I will own up to that <laughs> three years from now when he's the starting point guard on the West All Star team. <laughs> but I, there are some things that concern me. One. Defensively, I think he's got a long ways to go. Like, and agreed. And the guys he's going to be guarding night in and night out are going to go at him. Are just going to go at him mainly because he's a like he's young, he's a rookie, but all the baggage that comes with him and the ball family. So that scares me. Can Two, I can I yeah. pause you real there, and then we'll we'll get through yeah. your your bullet points there. But that only becomes a bad thing if it breaks him mentally. Like right. It, like but what, what? Just what, because somebody yeah. gives it to him like 20 times next year that like that happens, you know, that, that happens to a lot of people. And in a way you can spin that to a positive of like, he's, you know, he's getting tested. It's yeah. a, it's an opportunity for growth. The, the reason I, I could see that going wrong is, you know, he, he gives off a, a, a sense of arrogance and, and that sort of thing where that could piss him off. And, and, you know, maybe that, that hinders some of his development. I, I see that, but, I agree they're going to go at him. I just don't know if that's for sure a bad thing. Right. Okay. Fair. Uh, his shot. I mean, it, like, put it this way. I went back and watched Lonzo because that's the easy comparison, mm-hmm. right? I think Lonzo, his, when Lonzo was at UCLA, I think Lonzo projected he's a little bit smaller, maybe not, like, as long, but I think he was a better defender, a better shooter, as good a passer, and I think that's a – it's the easy comparison to make, right? They're family, they're brothers. I think that's a really good just basketball comparison as well. Weird shot, really good passer, all that. And I think, I think, like, I don't know. I, I don't know if he'll be as good as Lonzo. I, I really don't. And um, so we both like Lonzo. You like Lonzo. I, I, I like love Lonzo. Lonzo. And so maybe I'm still him. hanging on hope that he's going to be better. But like coming out of UCLA, I thought he was going to be awesome. Um, I believed more in a shot than what he's shown so far in the NBA. He shot, I think, forty. Four forty-five percent in college on a on six threes a game. Mm-hmm. So I believed in the shot, um, but I don't know the the. When we talked a little bit before we were started recording, Lamelo's. If you watch ten minutes of his good plays, he looks awesome. If you watch ten minutes of his like the things he needed to work on, it looks like he is going to be out of the league in ten years. So there's going to be in three years. There's going to be <laughs> something. It's going to be fall in the middle, and I just I don't know. I I can't see him being one of like the best. You know, it better. sounds like you're you're saying, not that it's a, a 50% chance, but that there's a legitimate chance that he, that those bad things you saw will lead him to becoming a bust in, in three yes. or four years. Yes. And I, I acknowledge... You're not saying that's the more likely, right. but you see a I, real path to I that. see a real path to it, and I acknowledge the upside. I acknowledge it could work. I just, I wouldn't bet on that. I would bet on him not reaching that level so it's, it's kind of hard for me to explain sometimes but it's like i just there's something about you watched him, him no. yeah i watched him there's he was so bad last year <laughs> like you watch his full game highlight like he was terrible would yeah. you agree 
awful. So I don't know. In I the just, aggregate, yeah. And it, yeah, and he made some really good plays because the terrible plays outweighed the good plays. Yeah, and but, so yeah, I don't know. So we disagree on that again. Could be very wrong. It's just it's. I mean, I wouldn't want anything. I wouldn't want anything to do with Lamelo Ball. That's fair. It's. I think it's me more seeing. We we see the glass half full and the glass half yeah. empty thing. You're choosing to Correct. to see the half empty side of it there. The can I ask you one more question? Yeah. So his best strength is his passing, right? Coupled you, with his size, yeah. Coupled with his size. So maybe that's the, the thing that, that makes him different. But how many guys who in the NBA at the point guard position right now, their best skill is passing? Like what point guard? If, does that make sense? Yeah. Like is it Rubio? Is it? I mean, yeah, that's the, the conservative answer is, is somebody like Rubio. I, I think you can – I mean, I think you can say Luca. I think you can say LeBron too. Like, and that's not me making, that's me no, answering that's your fair. question. That's not me comparing Lamelo to them. And, but do you think, do you think Luca's best skill is passing? No, I think, I think. Cause Luca's, that's his, that, that is Ball's best skill. Yeah. I just, I was and thinking I don't about, think, I don't think Lamelo is, is, is Luca. I, I think, I think it's close with Luca. I think Luca's best skill is he physically can take over and score on you at all three levels. Yeah. And, and Lamelo can't do that. And I don't think Melo ever will be able to do that. I, so I struggle to find a guy who's best as a point guard. Their best skill is pass. It's a good skill to have, obviously, but their best skill, what they do best, is passing. Mm-hmm. In today's NBA, like who is that guy? Yeah, well, I mean, the let's do the let's do the Rubio thing. I don't think it's a it's a it's a great comparison. I'll get into it, but just for Rubio, like Rubio is a seventeen million dollar a year player and and people wouldn't say that's an overpaid contract plus it's like that's a guy who's who's had an acl injury right. in his career his shots never developed and, and still people are like yeah ricky rubio cool like 17 million dollars a year like that's fine i i think but if he's ricky rubio you're not taking him one and i'm not comparing necessarily the players the way they play but would you take rubio i mean one in this draft uh, Close. The the reason is I, I do see an above Rubio upside, and and this and this is what it is. Yeah. And I'm gonna I'm gonna spin this into Tyrese Halliburton a little bit because I, I've I watched a lot of Tyrese Halliburton in in advance of this. Spoiler: he's he's lower on my list than in consensus. And I really I really started looking at Halliburton versus Ball because I started asking myself, okay, how the hell can you be have Lamelo Ball number one and like kind of struggle to have Tyrese Halliburton in your in your lottery at all? They're pretty similar players, right? Like. Tall, lanky, skinny, um, fun, you know, funky-looking shots. Great passers. They, they, I mean, on paper, they, they look very similar. And I think the difference for LaMelo Ball is, is that LaMelo has the ability, it's natural for him, to be able to get that screen and come one-two and pull up off of a guy. Like, and, 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 hit that, and, and hit that shot. Now, what, what rate is he going to hit those at? Yeah, that's... That that's of a question. He hit he hit probably not even thirty percent of those in, in Australia as an as an eighteen year old. The difference though between between that with Lamelo and who who looks like he can do it and Tyrese Halliburton or Ricky Rubio is that they will never do that. They can't. They like their their shooting form is so effed that they can't that they can't quickly come off of a screen and pull up. They 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 will. Tyrese Halliburton never did that. And, and I think when we're talking about point guards, again, in the modern NBA, which is a, the way I see basketball being played in the NBA now, that's a hugely important thing for a point guard to be able to do, to be... They say Tyrese Halliburton is this genius playmaker. Well, you're not, you're not a true playmaker unless you can score right. on, on your guys. And I think... 
I think LaMelo Ball has a path to being a scorer in this league through through an ability to to pull up and, and shoot the ball. I So you I think it comes down to you and I you're more of a believer in his jump shot than I am. Yeah, which I'm kind of concerned about because I think you're better at judging those than me, but I it's kind of one of those like esoteric things. Like I, I feel like I see touch yeah, and I've watched it a lot. And really, I honestly went into re going through this film today for this being like, talk yourself out of the metal ball, like try and try and find a way. And, and, and for me is I think he's going to be a guy who can get his shot off. And, and it's that's step one. And two is, can he make it? I, I don't, I don't know. Like that, uh, that's fair. Like we don't know if he can make it. The statistics aren't there, but part of it is being able to get that shot in the first place. And, and I think LaMelo Ball is going to be able to do that. Yeah. So he was eight on your board. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Who's two for you? Killian Hayes. Okay. Um, I have Killian Hayes. I'm just going to do mine too. I have Killian Hayes. He, I slid him down to eighth okay. on, on my board. And, KOC has him one, uh, Vicini has him nine, Draft Express has him ten, Kevin Pelton has him at eight, and Chad Ford has him at five. Killian Hayes is eighteen years old, six foot five, uh, six eight wingspan. He's big, two hundred and fifteen pounds. What do you like about him? He's well. He's nineteen. Uh, not that that changed anything. Nineteen. Um, he's so he's played professionally for the last like I think two, three years. He's played seventy two professional games. That's yeah, a ton. A ton. Um, so a little bit of the, I'm not comparing him to Luca, but a little bit of the Luca, like he's played against older guys the last three years. Like he's, he, like he's comfortable being a pro. Yep. Um, I think his playmaking is really good. Like I think ball gets all, not, not to go back to, to LaMelo, but ball gets all this credit for being this genius playmaker. I actually think Killian Hayes is also a really, really good. Like in pick and rolls and stuff. I think he's a great playmaker and can do what I was just talking about. Yes. Right. Like give him the screen. He can bam right, yes. right into a pull. Yeah, and I think he's a good defender. He competes on defense, which I look at like right away. I like, love that. Does he look and get? And he looks like he cares about defense. Um, so I think right away, I think okay, that that is a pretty high floor. I actually think you talk about watching Lamelo's shot. I actually think Killian Hayes' shot has really nice soft touch, mm-hmm. and I'm a believer in it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just think there's a lot of things he doesn't need to improve that much to be a really effective NBA player where I think LaMelo, he needs to improve a lot of areas drastically to yeah. be a very good NBA player. Well, Killian Hayes, I just think is safer. He's smarter. Yeah. It's a lower risk investment. Yeah. And I, and I think he's going to be, he could be, I don't know if he'll ever be an all-star, but I think he could be a team starting point guard for the foreseeable future. So, so you talked about like the Luca and playing overseas and Luca because of that, I think was he was immediately impactful in the NBA. Like mm-hmm. as a rookie, he was a I mean, he was really damn good, and a, a year after that, he was a superstar. Um, what I struggled with Killian Hayes when I was going back and watching him yesterday was what what is the timeline going to be for him? Like, let's assume there is a future where Killian Hayes becomes good. You know, how how long does that take? It depends where he goes, probably. You, you know, could ask that about everybody, right? Yeah, but th- there's something to me with Hayes. There's there's something where it's his age, and and I see I, I do see a little um, lack of real burst and speed yeah. sort of sort of quickness with him. So 
I, I think when, when I'm picturing the, the Killian Hayes Sonny outcome, in my head, I feel like it takes a few years. And I, I don't yeah. know if that's really a reason to downgrade him. I, I, I really was. Um, so you think LaMelo can come in and be more impactful earlier than Killian? No, <laughs> I think um, I just it, for me with Lamelo versus Killian, it's it's upside. Yeah. I think you would even agree that Lamelo yeah. has more upside than Killian. Hayes. I think Lamelo again has probably the highest upside in this draft. Right. I, yeah, I, I don't know. It, Hayes was a Hayes was a tough yeah. one for me, um, and and I I, I re- really wrestled with him between with five and eight, and I ultimately like I just decided to kind of go with just my, my gut feelings more with this board and try and not be influenced by, by some of the, you know, out, some of this outside stuff, because I felt like that's what was pushing me up higher with Killian is, you know, some, some people, yeah. have, I mean, O'Connor has a number one, like when I was, so when I, when I was in France, I became pretty close with this writer who follows the, like the top French prospects. Mm-hmm. And so I was talking with him and he said that the reason he likes Killian is the strides he's made in the three, in the last three years. He wasn't even really on anyone's radar when he was 16. Right. 17, he got better. But now 18, it's like he is a lottery pick. And he just said, like, the improvement he's made, um, he's apparently really coachable, great kid, like, checks all those boxes. Mm-hmm. And so I am skewed a little bit. Um, well, it's just information. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I, 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 I really is the one I wrestled with, like, pinning down. I'm looking at my notes. I have, like, six question marks next to him at, yeah. like, different spots. And, and – I, I think for me, what it ultimately came down to, and as we we get down the board a little bit more, um, I decided to go with some of the guys who played in college whose film I just really loved. That's fair. And the overseas guys are tough. Like, yeah, like I mean, if <laughs> it's a similar struggle I had with Avdia. Yeah, you know where it's like <laughs> I don't necessarily know how great the competition is for some of these college guys, but like I don't know, like Isaac Okoro, who's playing at Auburn. You know, I, I right. at least have like. You can watch him play against Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. There's like I have an idea of what that league more so is like, and maybe that's just me being relatively uninformed about international basketball, like you know, like like most people are. But ultimately, I guess that's my my long way of saying um, I, I slid him down to eight for for that reason. Um, let's keep going. Number two for me is is Anthony Edwards. Um, he's number two on O'Connor's board. Three for Vassini. Two for Draft Express. Three for Pelton. And three for Chad Ford. It's it, it's it's just funny how he seems to be this like consensus top three pick, but nobody thinks he's going to be one. He's just such a he's such a um, peculiar prospect in in his intrigue, and yet also at the same time, real concerning tape out there. Real immature looking. Yeah, I can see the the downside here too. Where did you uh, land? I had him at the end of the day? I had him at six. And again, um, he's similar to Lamelo with me. I I acknowledge their upsides, but I think the downside is is way higher than some of the other guys I had ahead of them. So, what what does that downside look like for you? Because I, I think that's probably a calculation a team would be be looking at. I mean, it just a he's going to score to some level, but just a guy who comes in and chucks on a bad team. Like I just right. can't see him being a top two or three guy on a winning basketball team. I just can't. I, right. I, can you? I struggle with it. Um, the excuse I would make is he's so young. He should have been a senior in high school this year. And um, I, I think from everything I've been able to gather, he hasn't really been, um, you know, 
put in a situation where the screws get you know twisted on. I'm like, hey, you can, you've got to do that. Like these are the things you have to do. These aren't you know these aren't questions. Um, there are shot selection expectations. There are engagement expectations defensively. I mean, on the film, it's maddening. You go, why the hell are you standing straight up? Like, right. it, I mean, honestly, that reminds me of Wiggins. That was like with Wiggins. He was he, when he was locked defensively. We always we always talk about Wiggins. That's the most frustrating part is when you say when he like yeah, when I, he did it. I know. I, I hear you. I'm, I'm just defensively. That's what pissed me off about Wiggins is it's like sit your ass down and work here. Yeah. And and with Anthony Edwards, I I found myself saying the same thing, and I chose to, I choose to, um, believe in the idea that a team's development program will, will get him to do that. And, you know, that's me guessing, you know, to, to some degree. But it's, it's inescapable to, to, to acknowledge his, his, his physical gifts. His physical gifts coupled with what I believe is the ability to get a shot off at, at a high level. And I don't know, maybe that's part of the, the area we, we disagree with because I know you're sending me some clips and didn't love what you've seen of him as a shooter. Is that, is that shot selection? How much of it is shot selection? How much of it is what, what you think he is as a shooter? I think it's a combination. And I don't know. Again, I think it's important to know, like, I have him sixth. I'm not saying he's, like, not yeah. going to – so two and sixth, yeah, it's a difference, but it's not – I mean, you're not taking him. You're not getting him. Right. Again, I just – Anytime I question someone's motor and work ethic yep. and their shot, I just have a hard time like buying into buying into them. And you, we can argue that, but you're gonna it's gonna be a hard you're gonna have a hard time changing my mind about those two things. I would just hope And his defense, like which kind of goes in with, with motor and work ethic. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess I'm choosing to believe in his his size and physical gifts defensively and that somebody can be like, Hey, this is what you this is how you get engaged defensively, yeah. and and this is this is this is where you do it. You the, know the Ben Simmons, the Ben Simmons example, right? Yeah, kind of what you're. Yeah, I mean, I, I I I can see that. Yeah, uh, uh, from a defender. The honestly, the thing I'm I'm more concerned about is he has built-in habits as a shooter. Where at college he took 49% of his shots from three and only 21.6% of his looks at the basket, like unacceptable you're 225 pounds and and fast as hell like that you are not using your skills correctly right if, if that's what you're doing and and again with me ultimately deciding to put him at two taking him over a really intriguing prospect like james wiseman it's me believing that that can be changed and again covering the wolves uh <laughs> and to bring back the wiggins comparison is I saw that happen with Andrew Wiggins this year. He, he's changed his shot selection. I think, I think we're seeing in the modern NBA players more and more willing to learn that these are better shots and these are worse shots. I think a lot of the times you grow up – I mean, you and I grew up playing basketball not understanding that, right? Right. Like, we took our shots. And, and now you are you, – you're having that drilled home, particularly at the NBA level, and I don't think it's as much, you know, sunk into the college level where they're like – I think Tom Crean with Anthony Edwards is like, go do your thing. Right. Go get 20. Like, yeah. and, and that will have to change. That, that mentality will have to change with yeah. Edwards. Let's, uh, let's do your number three. Devin Vassell. He slid down. I know. So you're really selling out, man. I know. 
Um, Devin Vassell, six foot seven, uh, six ten wingspan, one hundred ninety four pounds. This is crazy. Devin Vassell and and Lamelo Ball are the at least reportedly the exact same height, weight, and wingspan, which is super rare because I know that I looked into this because that's exactly what Jarek Culver is. And yeah. I was looking. It, it's such a it's such a bizarre list of players who are kind of that size and, right. and, and different different sort of positions. Um, so you kind of got to like almost when you're watching Vassell choose what what type of you know players you're going to be in. We'll, we'll get to that. I want. I'm interested what your answer is there. But O'Connor had him at seven, um, Vicini eleven, Draft Express eleven, Kevin Pelton seven, and Chad Ford ten. Why is you got all the Devin Vassell stock? Why? Why? And we don't need to like talk about him because we have on a lot of pods. But it's like five hours worth of. <laughs> I, again, I think he is. Gonna, he could be an elite defender in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Like I think he could be an all defensive t- defender in the NBA. I think he's – I can't assume – assuming his shot isn't completely broken all of a sudden. <laughs> he shot over 40% both years in yeah. college. And I think he's got a very underrated playmaking, like, aspect to his game that we didn't get to see at Florida State. I think he did what they asked him to. And I think he's going to be able to play in pick and roll. And I think his mid-range game – his freshman year at Florida State, I think he took one mid-range jumper. His second year he took in the 50s or 60s and shot it at a really high percentage. So I think that step, I think he has it in him. Um, and so I guess he's a winner. Florida State was really good this year. Um, I just – I believe in him. And anyone who's listening to these under, knows that. I just think he's the best wing in this draft. I think he's a great defender, and I think his offensive game is is A, there, but B, is only going to get better. The thing that I think you've challenged me on with him um, over the course of this time is to, to open up – my eyes to the idea that he can be a player who can work off the dribble, um, create and pick and roll and create from the mid range, whether that's be shooting or passing. And we've gone way too far in the NBA of no mid range ever. And the reality of the situation is if you're the best or second best, you know, score on your team, it's very important to be able to work from that For area. Sure. And if you are projecting Devin Vassell as a, a top end player on a team, the best wing in this draft, He's got to be able to do some of that, and and I'm with you. I I, I do see that. I, I think he's not going to have problems getting a shot off from a, from a height perspective. Um, I have a little bit of concern about maybe his speed into that shot, some of his strength into that shot, but I think particularly in the mid-range, those, those physical elements are a little less important, and it's more about finesse, and I, and I, I go back and watch Vassell, and I'm consistently impressed by his finesse um, in those areas, and I think he has a great work ethic that yeah. provides a defensive floor for him. So, if I didn't already say this, I have Devin Vassell fifth on my board, which is, which I think is relatively high. But you just kind of, I talked you into it. Blow me out, you do. <laughs> I guess so. I just think we talk about, and like we talked about the the risks and the concerns of the top the, the top tier guys, Ball, yeah. Edwards, and, and Wiseman. I just there's not a big weakness to Vassell's game. And I think everything he does well is going to translate. He's an unbelievable on-ball defender. And I think even off the ball, if you watch clips of him like in team defense rotations and always talking, like he is unbelievable at defense. So right away, go. right away, he's going to be able to guard people in the NBA. I'm with you. Um, let's, let's keep moving here. Yeah. This isn't two hours. Um, James Wiseman was number three for yep. me. Um, so number four for me is, is Obi Toppin. Okay. Um, and I think with, with Obi, he's uh, – He's one of those players who you can let um, the noise skew you on. And he was one of the first players we watched um, 
and then I started hearing, you know, I was concerned about his defense initially in, in just kind of watching, you know, watching his games. Um, but a lot of it was about his physicality um, at, at, at six foot eight, you know, and only 220 pounds, how he's going to be able to hold strong in the post. Cause I personally believe he has to be a five um, in the NBA and that's, and that's concerning. But the noise really with him, I think is concerns about his, you know, his lateral agility. How's he going to be able to, you know, how's he going to be able to handle pick and rolls? And the reality of the situation is, is he probably won't. Mm-hmm. But I, I really went back and just – I was looking at other players who, who are pigs in this league, and, man, they get cooked all the time. Right. And We've talked about it. It's like why now a center can't guard a, a wing or a point guard, and it's like a big knock on them. Like, I don't and, know. Right. And when we're, you know, we're, we're bearing the lead here of the fact like, that he's the best col- – was the best college basketball player here and offensively, you know, if this spectacular. Was, if, if defense didn't matter, I think he'd, he'd be number one. Going easy, away, yeah. Easy. If only offense, Matt. I mean, he's unbelievable on offense. Um, before I get where you where you have him ranked, um, again, I have him four. Kevin O'Connor has him eleven. Sam Vecini four. Draft Express six. Kevin Pelton doesn't have him ranked in his top thirty, and Chad Ford has him seventh. I had him fifth. Okay, so just one below you. And my fourth was Okongwu from USC. Onyeka. Onyeka Okongwu. Um, okay, so why are you betting on Okongwu over Toppin? So I, I really like Toppin. I'll start with Toppin. I really like mm-hmm. Toppin. His film was awesome. Uh, Dayton was great. The list of guys who are 22 years old who have been drafted in the lottery the last 10 years um, is scary. I don't have it in front of me, but it's like Chris Dunn and Wesley Johnson. Wesley Johnson and Tim Roll. <laughs> uh, Jimmer Fredette. Epke, Ep, Ep, Udo from Baylor, I think was one of them. And just a bunch of guys, Jimmer, yeah, a bunch of guys that, like, the track record isn't good. Yeah. Um, but, so that was kind of, the, you know, hopefully Toppin's different, but that was concerning for me. So I have Okongwu mainly. I think the defense, kind of like Vassell, I think he could be, he can guard one through five. He can switch, he can play small, he can be your small ball five, you can switch screens, you can guard guards. Um and I think he's actually he's going to put on weight and he's going to put on size, and I think he's going to be able to bang down low. So I think just from a defensive standpoint, I think he's incredibly versatile. Uh, he can fit in right away, uh, and then I think his offense is only going to get better. Before we full on move to Okongwu, I I just want to say that I think for me personally, my belief in Toppin has grown over the course of this time, and and I have that top three tier. And then I have Toppin alone in tier two um, at number four because, again, as I was talking about with Amelo, I think we have a bankable skill here. Yeah. And a guy who's going to be able to fill it up. It's going to be I a very effective offensive player. And, and like, I, I think I you know. and I agree on Toppin more than maybe anybody else in, in this draft. Right. It's just. And I have him fifth, so it's not like we're not that different on him, but I agree. I think his offense. The, the most underrated part about his offense is his passing. Yeah. So he's going to play that short roll spot, that 15-foot spot where he's going to screen, roll, and then he's going to catch it, make a quick decision, and hit a shooter. And like I, his, You can just use him in so many ways. Yes, like That's the most dynamic way to use him. Yeah. But like next year, if you, go, if you went to the Warriors or something, it's like pick and pop. <laughs> yeah, all all the, or yeah. just go to the corner. Yeah. Like he, this guy's going to – I feel very confident in his shooting ability for, you know, for, for his size. He's a – I think he – the, he's a hell of a player. He's really good. Um, the other the other concerning thing I had, so I had all the 22-year-olds in the, in the top 10 or lottery or whatever. 
he's listed at like 218 pounds. Mm-hmm. And I'm with you. I think he needs to be a five to maximize his, his talent. Well, that's for sure. Concerned. But he's 10 pounds less than Anthony Edwards. Like he's going <laughs> to yeah. get like he is small. And he did. Right? And he got banged in the post. Right. Like, in I mean, college. We, we so I, I just hope that his offense is so good that they'll find a way to, to get good defenders around him. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's very important to pair him with the right. Yes. Other big um, yeah. power forward or whatever. So he was he that. was four for you. Right. He, he was four for me. And five for me. Moving on to a Kangwu for you at at f- is as fifth. Um, he's ninth for me, which I guess is relative. Well, hold on. I, th- I think we're confusing ourselves. A Kangwu is four for me. Five top in his five. Okay, got it. Sorry, a Kangwu is four for you. Um, he's nine for me. Okay, uh, six nine seven one. You talked about putting on size. He's already two hundred forty five pounds. Right. yesterday. doesn't really look like it, but I mean, he's he's a brick. Um, he finishes everything. I think he's yeah. going to be. I think he's going to be really good. He's he's climbed from the last time we did this for me. Right. Um, O'Connor has him at fifth. This is a Congo has, has him at fifth. Vicini has him at fifth. Draft Express has him at fifth. Pelton has him at nine. Chad Ford has him at six. I mean, he's the he's the sexy switchable big in you know the modern NBA. He's the he needs to write Bam a check when he gets drafted. <laughs> I mean, I it, mean that's the best. That's the best thing. That happened to, to Okongwu. Wouldn't you agree? Was 100%. banned. Yeah. And I, I don't agree with it. I think. <laughs> well, I, damn. I, I mean, I, I just, I, I, that, or that has just been blown out of proportion, I believe. Because, yes, we can make Okongwu to Bam comparisons defensively. I hear that. But we can, you can make, there's other players in the NBA who are like Bam defensively. What makes Bam special is that he couples that with offensive ability without being able to shoot. Mm-hmm. And and that is through, it's what you're just talking about with Toppin, being able to play that short roll spot, being able to play 15 feet, being able to do dribble handoff. Bam Adebayo is a great passer, and he came in as a great passer. Anyeka Kangwu never passed in college. Right. So that is, maybe you're right, maybe that happens. Or maybe everyone's right and that happens. That did not happen in college. That's, again, I go to the Halliburton thing. It's like, it's hard for me to project things like a skill I never saw him do at Bam didn't pass in college in, in the NBA, his, his rookie year. He did. He came in, they used him in that spot. I know, but I'm saying like projecting Bam when Bam was at Kentucky. Stats-wise. Okay. That's he, a good point. So I'm just saying like, I think a Kongu played the four mainly at USC. So he was kind of in a weird spot. I think when they, when he plays with more space and he is a five, I think his passing is going to get a lot better and it's going to become a skill. And that's, yeah. that's what I'm banking on putting him. Putting I mean, him uh, my point is it has to. Right. Because because we both agree, it's not a projectable shot. No, like I don't think he will be a big who shoots, which is no, which isn't a death sentence, but it is that is a reason, right, to to move him down on on, on your board. And the, and the other thing I want to point out is like a Kangwu statistically, like he's you know he's one of the synergy porn guys where it's like ninety ninety fifth percentile, ninety eighth percentile, all all these things off, offensively, but. A, a big one, 27% of his possessions were post-ups. And he was really good at him. He scored on everyone at the college level. I just caution I just caution any player who's a dominant, quote-unquote dominant post-up player for how that translates to the NBA, where we just don't see that very often. We don't have a lot of guys who, who, who post up a ton. Last year, 34, only 34 players um, had 100 post-ups this year. And only five of them scored over one point per, per 100 possessions. Embiid, Brook Lopez, Jokic, DeRozan, and Gallinari. 
those are just elite, you know, post players. And I don't know, do we really think a is going to come in and that's going to be like a needle mover for him? I just don't feel like that's going to be, you know, an important part of his game. And really with those players, like those guys can square up and shoot it. Right. A Kongu, I, I, I think has to be able to do that. Yeah. Again, I, the biggest thing for me is I'm banking on him, on him being an elite defender. Yeah. And the rest can fill in and we'll figure that out. But from day one, I think he's gonna be able to guard in the NBA at a high right. level. And I, I, I don't agree with that. It's again, none of this is just arbitrarily yeah. me choosing to see the glass half empty. And I think there is part of the glass is empty on the on the on the offensive side. Then again, he's nineteen years old. Yeah. Um it's played it's with also, a mellow ball in high school. He did. It, it's there's for sure a role for him offensively. I just don't know how impactful. Right, that role is sort of comparative. I'm not sure why I said he played with Lamelo, but it's just true. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> not going to elaborate on that anymore. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so moving on. So we're on six now. So six. Let's let's recap our top fives. Okay. Do your top five. Wiseman, Hayes, Vassell, Okongwu, Toppin. For me, my top five is Lamelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, Obi Toppin, Devin Vassell, and number six for me is I guess probably my most out-on-a-limb um, player who I, I wrestled with, um, you know, nailing this down. But ultimately, I guess, just went with my gut because, you know, who cares? I can I could, I could do what I want. Um, Aaron, Aaron Neesmith is, is six for right. me. Um, Kevin O'Connor has him 19. Sam Vecini has him 17. Draft Express has him 13. Kevin Pelton has him 11. Chad Ford has him 13. So he's, um, in a lot of people's eyes, a player who, who might not even – you know, be drafted in the lottery. Um, I th- then this is what I was talking about before when we were talking about floors with with James Wiseman. I similarly feel like I can make a strong argument that there's a there's a very high floor for not a very high floor. There's a very reasonable floor yeah. for Aaron Neesmith um, in this league as an elite shooter. I have. It's not just the fact that he made fifty two percent of his threes. I love the way he got his threes. I love the way he moved. You know without the ball when the when Scotty Pippen Jr. is driving and he you know slid his way to slid slide to the corner or raise up above the break he put himself in position to have space to shoot as many threes as he did he's just a, a natural shooter like natural so shooters natural. have those little like i'm going to take two steps here and then one step back to, they just he just knew how to get open it's clean he knew how to read a screen he knew how to set a screen which yeah. is a good like shooters have to be you have to be able to set set a screen and that's a Duncan Robinson thing right correct cuz yeah. your guy's not going to help off on you so it's just like, and I agree with that. He was awesome to watch. Where'd you have him? Nine. Um, I wanted to put That's him higher, lot. higher than, than than the average. It's hard, man. You're right. I mean, you're, I I had to put him. He's, I had to put him above a Kongu. Like that's right. So I had him nine. Um, do you want me to get into him now, or do you want yeah. me to? Tell you? So I just I loved him. I don't know the, if you remember the when we did his pod. He was like my favorite player yeah. in the draft at that time, and he's still I still really like him. Um, Horrible on defense, and we're going to use the stress fracture foot theory on why. Um, ho- horrible on defense. Hopefully that improves, and then he just he's very limited off the dribble. Like he's going to be a, like a spot up. He's going to be he's going to have to play like Duncan Robinson. See, I mean, I think for me, why I can push him up to six is I see a little bit more off off the dribble than that. Maybe um, I I I think the size um, will help there. Where I'm not saying he's but to like cross guys up off the dribble, but I think he can attack closeouts. Yeah, and and physically he play he drives strong. A lot of the times, you know, like shooters, it's just like a little 
I think it's fair to kind of give them the soft label where they kind of get into 15 feet and they're like trying to avoid contact. Like I think Neesmith is a guy who's going to be able to attack a closeout and he's going to be big enough to throw himself at the rim. He did certainly what happened at Vanderbilt where he would, you know, he, he would attack and, and I'm, I'm with you. That probably needs to be fine tuned, but it, I didn't think it was a zero. How much of his attacking at Vanderbilt was just a result of, there was nobody else on that team. Like he just, it almost felt forced watching him attack. Like he just, he was kind of like, I'm the best player. I'm going to just try to do this versus when he gets into the NBA and he's got other guys around him. Right. I don't know. Personally, I just think playing him in that Duncan Robinson spot where you just constantly run him. Well, that's what I'm talking about with the floor. Yeah, like that, I agree. That, like there, not that Duncan Robinson is his floor, Duncan Robinson's. Like if we were talking about yeah. Duncan right now, I think it'd be a lot of the same stuff. Like Duncan, what makes Duncan so good is he's one of the best shooters in the world and he's in incredible shape. Right and and he's big and the size, but I think I think it is very possible that Aaron Neesmith can check those same four boxes. Right, really good size, really good shooter. If he's in great that the thing about Duncan Robinson that impressed me the most is that dude never stops running. Yep, he is just constantly like it's it's really fun to watch. It's that off ball movement. Yeah, Yeah. and I mean, uh, it's I don't know like choose your shooter X, JJ Redick. I mean, it's it's that same sort of. It's like it's almost having like anxious feet, right? Like For sure. Constantly needing to be conscientious about where your feet are and how to get them to a better spot. And, and great. And Neesmith does that. And it's incomparable to anybody else for sure in this draft. Yeah. And it's, I think it's at in a, in a even NBA elite level. Yeah. If or it, it could be. It, for in great shooters, the ones that I've coached, the ones that I've watched, like they're more worried about getting open than actually shooting. If the hard part is getting open, if they can get open, yeah. the shots go like that. You don't have to worry about that. Right, right, right. But, and yeah. I think so for him, like he's thinking, how do I get open? Right. And I think he does a really good job with that. And I think that's going to translate. And I just hope the defense isn't so bad where teams like, well, who knows? I mean, it's, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's concerning. But I, again, I kind of go to some of the top end where it's like, well, at yeah. this point, we're talking about role players. They're going to have holes. Yep. That's his. I don't like that being the hole, but sure. hopefully someone, because he can shoot, he can hide him a little bit, a la Duncan Robinson. I really like him. I yeah. We're not going to disagree there. Um. Okay, your number six. Anthony Edwards. Oh, yeah. Okay, sorry. So your seven. Seven. This was probably my biggest surprise. You might Hell. be able to guess it. Um, oh. <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, Kyra Lewis from Alabama. Love it. I watched more of him this weekend and yesterday before we did this, and I just – you talk about a bankable skill. This dude is – he's so fast. Yeah. He's so fast. And I think for how fast he is, he's got really good touch. He mm-hmm. finishes really well. And I think, like, that combined with the speed is going to make him really tough to guard. I, I have him 11th, so I think that's relatively high, too, you know, compared to the market. He's six foot three, six six wingspan, 165 pounds, small. Small, yeah. Um. Kevin O'Connor has him 14, Sam Vecini has him 12, Draft Express has him 20th, uh, Kevin Pelton has him 28th, and Chad Ford has him 15th. So, for I would say you and I both here are, are of a mind that I that speed is gonna is gonna be impactful. Why? Why is speed so important at the point guard position, particularly in the NBA? I mean, it's. I don't think there's like a great answer to that. I just think it's really hard to guard. And I think he stops and starts. That's a great answer. No, but like it's hard to guard, right? Like it's, and he, he changes speeds well, right? Mm -hmm. Like he can stop, start, stop, start. And if you look at like, like I think he's going to be one of the fastest players in the NBA his rookie year. And I think the other guys who fall in that category are 
you know, the Westbrooks of the world, the, the Darren Foxes of the world, the John, John Walls of the world, like uh, John Moran, like guys like that. Like when you're that fast, <laughs> like it's a skill. Mm-hmm. And I like, I believe in a shot. I think a shot, he's got good touch. He shot high thirties, mm-hmm. shot really well from the line. Like I just, I think there's a world in which he is like, depending on where he goes, it wouldn't shock me if he's the rookie of the year next year, if they put the ball in his hands and he, they let uh, him go. Yeah. I guess I hadn't really thought about that. Um, to the, I think when I was watching him initially, I was concerned he looked small. Yeah. Um, and and that that was initially concerning to me. But then, then once I noticed, I'm like, all right, this is small dude, but he's really fast. And then and he he's also pretty tall and long for a, a smaller guy. And to the Darren Fox, to the John Morant comparison, that it's the exact same size. Those guys are both right. six three, six six, six seven, wingspans, 170 pounds. Yeah. Like it, it is an archetype of of a successful starting NBA point guard. I mean, a lot of the time what we see, you go back and you look at some drafts and there's like these point guards who were successful at the college level who are, were like 5'9", 5'11", mm-hmm. right? And and you're like, well, that balled out in college, like it's going to work in the NBA. And you're like, oh, you're yep. in Italy in two years. Right. like, And that's it really is just a size thing. And with, with, with Lewis, it, it helps me a lot to know that he's not miniature right he, he's he's frail i guess right now as a 19 year old um and he, and he probably always will be I don't that's think he's the easiest thing to fix it. though i think don't yeah. you like yeah. he's got my point is he's got he's got an nba point guard frame yeah height shoulders wingspan like and and that the, the other thing that with the speed that's he shot 80 percent from the line two years at alabama mm-hmm. so that projects well for a shot he averaged five rebounds a game which then leads to offense because he can he rebounds well for his size and he just goes uh, and I, I don't know. I really like him. I, I'm going to get scoring all three levels too. I don't know if it's be, because he played yeah. at Alabama. I don't know if it's because he's a sophomore. Sure. I don't know why. I just think he is, I think he's really good. And I, to me, it feels like a reach at seven from like, if you look at the experts, but for me, it's like, I actually had him at fifth yesterday and I kind of got scared. Of that <laughs> but I think he's really good. I think he's going to have a really good career. He, in the, you know, the, the people I bounce stuff off of with this in the, in the league or just other coaches, he, he, he's in every single person's lottery. Yeah. And, um, and it's somebody they, you know, they rave about and maybe, I don't know, maybe that is the, 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 the coach's view and maybe a more of a talent evaluator has, has concerns about the, the size or the Alabama or something like that. But like, what, he's a fun player to watch. Really fun. He's a, he's a really yeah. fun player to watch. Um, okay. So I had him at 11, um, moving on seven for me is, is Isaac Okoro. Okay. Uh, 6'6", 6'9", 225 pounds, just a brick wall. Kevin O'Connor has him 9, Sam Vecini has him 6, Draft Express has him 7th, Pelton has him 10th, Chad Ford has him 8th. He's just a player, I, I, you know, I don't know, he might just be my type. Yeah. Um, I, I, I love that guy who, who can be physically imposing defensively, which he 100% is, and, and can get to the bucket through speed, size, and strength. And um, I, I, I see, I really do see a reasonable floor with him, despite pretty serious concerns um, about his jump shot that you know might persist forever. But I think he's still a guy who th- there's a path to being a starter in the NBA, even if he if he never develops a thirty-two percent jump shot. Right. I I, I, him? I had him thirteenth. I struggled with where to put him. I. I kept going back to 
Josh Jackson from Kansas a few years back, who I loved in college. Yeah. And I I would I wasn't doing podcasts or anything, but I was like, I think he's gonna be really good. Yeah. And clearly that backfired. And I and the no, song, there's just serious downside with a guy who who right doesn't have a, a good jump shot. Right. And so I just I kept going back to Josh Jackson. I think they're similar. Um, the offense has a long ways to go, a long ways to go. And you disagree outside on that. of the jumper. I mean, what? I don't know. I, I, I maybe I'm missing something. You didn't like his ability to attack. <laughs> You're not alone in that. I, I, I don't know. I, I guess it just seemed like yes, there were pl- like he had a couple dunks that were unbelievable. Um, he, yeah. when he got all the way to the rim, when it worked, it was awesome. There was a lot of times That's though fair. where he then was like, "I'm not going to score. I have to pass," and it was like jump in the air and like awkward pass. 100%. Where I just his playmaking isn't like yeah, he's going to have the, the jab step, go the other way, dunk, and it's going to look great. But for the times that he gets cut off or it doesn't work, I don't, I don't, I didn't love the way he passed. I guess for me is I'm not looking at him to be a lead ball handler. Yeah, I'm looking at him as your second side guy that probably all you need is that jab, or maybe maybe you're right. sending him a, a screen later in the shot clock. Like so, yeah. And for me, that's the thirteenth, like a thirteenth yeah. overall type of. No, that's not. So yeah, yeah. I, I mean, think I, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um. All right. So that was eight for you. That was seven for me. Okay. So, all right. Seven for, was Kyra Lewis Jr. for me. So we're on so you eight. do eight. Yep. Lamelo. Okay, Lamelo was eight for you, and Killian Hayes was yep. eight for me. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah, uh, nine for you. I guess I should. Smith. Smith was nine for you. Um, Akangwu was nine for me. So who was your tenth? R.J. Hampton, who's up from last time. We just God damn, I'm pissed. I couldn't get him in my really? in my lottery. I, but he's here's my thing with R.J. Yeah, Hampton. You go I, first. I kept going I like back. Him. He's maybe the best athlete in the draft. Yeah. And then I I kept going back. Had he gone to Kansas or Kentucky, which I think were his top two. Yeah. And had a good year, not even a great year. Had he had a good year, I think he'd be in the top five. Had he done like anything but what Jaden McDaniels did, correct at Washington, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I think, so I think that alone right there is like the only reason we're dropping him is because he went and played with pros. I don't know. I, I just yeah, but, but, but I mean, all right. Let's be fair. Like he played with pros and didn't look very good. Didn't look great, but he, yeah. but he played a role. Like the difference with him and Lamelo is Lamelo's team just gave Lamelo the ball and said, "Do whatever you want." Hampton came off the bench. Player, he yeah. played a role. So when he gets to yeah. when he gets to the, whatever team drafts him, I think he's going to be comfortable in that role. When he's going to grow into a bigger role. Lamello yeah. In that one game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I don't know. I like RJ Hampton. I think he's I think he's the only reason he's he's out of some people's lotteries is because he went to New Zealand and we don't really have a Yeah, he'd be if we were doing getting to 15, he'd be 15 for me. He's my 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 top honorable mention, but I Who's your 10? Um, let me read off where, where they oh, have Hampton yep. first. Uh, which, which, this one is interesting. Like, it's an array. Yeah. Like, O'Connor, 21. Vicini, 7. Draft Express, 14. Kevin Pelton, 5. Chad Ford, 12. And I think the Chad Ford one is important there um, because what he's doing is gathering information from, you know, sources around the league. It's, those are, it's more of a projection and I think and I think Vicini's is more so that too and he has him at seven so point being is I think there are executives around the league that are of similar mind to you whereas like you know playing out the exact scenario you just just laid out there acknowledging maybe there is some downside that the film isn't great there you and now you've had this limited opportunity to to, to see him at all but there is there, there's just a he, he's one of these guys, and, and, and Tyrese Maxey is the other one for me here, where I'm like, I just think they're better than what I saw in the film. 
and and that like it's there's something about that that is gut but it's also like i think that's a hooper and right and i see that i see that in in maxi and hampton which is my yeah. way of transitioning to tyrese maxi maxi would be 15 for me so that's ironic oh okay so yeah. i left maxi out of mine i do you want me to go into Matt? Who are we talking Let me about read right? off Max's okay. stuff first. So I have him at 10. Um, O'Connor has him at 13. He's 6'3", 6'6", 198 pounds. Not exactly big. Um, O'Connor has him at 13. Vassini, 16. Draft Express, 15. Pelton, 21. Chad Ford, 16. So I have him higher than everyone. Yeah. I don't know. I, I didn't love his film. <laughs> Again, I, and I'm honest about this. The reason I had him higher than I would have is the Kentucky factor. Um, yeah. And <laughs> it's not like a hot take by any means saying where he went to college, but I think more times than not, Kentucky guys pan out in the NBA. Well, the, the important part of that is that all Kentucky guys come in as elite level prospects. Yeah, for sure. Like it, we say we, there's two parts to it. There's that they're elite level prospects coming in. And two, it's that they get covered up playing around other elite level prospects at that level. And if I'm being honest, I don't know if that is totally the second part is totally the case with Tyrus Maxey. Like he got the ball and he got his opportunities to like show off a full range, full array of his skill set. And honestly, it wasn't it wasn't extremely productive. However, I think there's more of a learning curve or like a, a curve towards productivity or efficiency when you're a lead ball handler like that. I I'm throughout all my rankings, I'm willing to forgive some inefficiency of, of lead ball handlers, whether it be LaMelo, whether it be Maxi, whether it be, you know, Hampton to, to a right. degree where I think, I think we're at a place where it's a few years from now and, and we're like Tyrese Maxi is a force. I, I, I could really see it. See, that's where you and I disagree. I, the Kentucky guys who, who have then gone on to be studs in the NBA, a lot of them, I feel like some of them you just knew like cat, Anthony Davis, like sure. they were going to be studs no matter what. The other ones, it was kind of like, oh, well, he was held back. Devin Booker came off the bench. Bam just was back to the basket, didn't play on the perimeter. Like guys like that, and then they're like, oh, he could do that. Like we didn't, we didn't see that in Kentucky because he didn't need to in college. But it was like, oh, now I can see it. But Tyrese Maxey, I don't know what that thing is. Like he's a little undersized. I don't think he's a he's great athlete. I don't think he's a great shooter. I think he's kind of like – he's a little bit like Cole Anthony to me. You know what I mean? Like, a, so I don't know. I okay. Well, nothing. The, put, will, the, nothing the change will, I'll put put there is that Tyrese Maxey I think projects to be a solid defender, and Cole Anthony that's close fair. to okay. like Trey Young level defender. So I do think we have a little bit of floor here in Maxey um, as a role player, right? Like in the league, and a chance at being, you know, being something more. I didn't wasn't CJ McCollum the tenth overall pick? Like something like yeah. that. We like yeah, he's yeah, he's just just sort of undersized. Um, don't really know what this is going to look like at the next level. Not not necessarily the the, the same player type. Obviously, McCollum's like a shooter shooter. Uh, I he's the type of player who I who with limited size I can still see him making it work. And and part of that is just my gut. And to go on that, I actually have heard that I, I read an article about him how he's like in the gym at five a.m. Like just little things like that where it's and he's really well spoken. He's really they say he's I coach Cal Calipari at Kentucky. I think said he's like the most competitive dude he's ever coached. Mm-hmm. So like, love that little, like me coaching, like little things like that are like, all right, maybe he'll just figure it out. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, he was hard for me. I almost had him in the lottery, um, but I, I opted to, to keep him out. Um, have you done your 10th? RJ Hampton was my 10th. Okay. Yeah. So read your six through 10 off. Six through 10, Anthony Edwards, Kyra Lewis Jr., LaMelo Ball, Aaron Neesmith. 
RJ Hampton. For me, my six is Aaron Neesmith. My seven is Isaac Okoro. My eight is Killian Hayes. My nine is Anyaka Kongwu. My 10 is Tyrese Maxey. Um, Hold on. So we, I think it's interesting. We don't have one guy at the same spot right now. <laughs> no group thing here. <laughs> That's funny. Um, who's your 11? Tyrese Halliburton. Okay. I have, I have him 12th. Okay. That was close. Um, it was. Uh, he is 6'5", 6'8", 175. O'Connor has him 10. Vicini has him 8. Draft Express has him 8. Pelton has him 2. And Chad Ford, again, who's supposedly on the pulse of where he's going to go, has him 4. And I think that's insane. I think he, from the things I've read and heard, though, he he will be higher than where we have him. Yeah. No, I mean. Like, he won't be a. Like, it can, this is a purely my opinion. <laughs> this is yeah. my opinion. Does it? Like. I, I think like Patrick Williams was in our top ten. Either. Like I think Patrick Williams could very well go in the top ten. This isn't us pre- right. predicting what the draft order is going to be. This is what we. I would bet a lot of money that both Tyrese Halliburton and Patrick Williams go ahead of where we have. Yeah. But which whatever. I just, I mean Halliburton is the one. He's a wild card. I, I don't, don't. But that's what's so weird is I don't feel like that is. I don't feel like that's the consensus. I don't feel like people think Tyrese Halliburton I know. is a wild, a wild cut at all. Actually, he was uh, Jonathan Charks who was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, um, and we had, did a media thing this morning, and um, that I had to email him something, and and I was like, I'm not going to email it to you until you give me a sell me on Tyrese Halliburton, and he sent me a an article he wrote at the Ringer, which is like pretty strong play by him. Like that's a that's a that's a good piece of evidence. Um, but I, I mean, there's there's people like this who who like who charks who all the O'Connor who these guys who have been watching him not not only this couple months like we have but for years that see this guy being a quote unquote genius playmaker and it's it's just not a it's it's just not a a, a bridge I can cross. What what do you think? I mean, I got a couple of reasons. What do you think? Like, what do you think the the biggest hole in what the public perception is of him versus what you think is? I think they, the people who have him in the top five or whatever, I think they think he's like this, going to be this complete guard who can score at all three levels and is a really good passer. And I don't, I don't think he's going to be a team's primary primary ball handler. Um, I think he's going to shoot it fine. I think his shot looks weird, but I think, I mean, yeah, off ball he should be able to shoot. Yeah. I just I don't know I I think but isn't that what his whole like intrigue is is this right and playmaker I, so if you're not going to be the primary ball he, handler he doesn't finish it great he's not that physical um, he finishes a little bit like Lamelo right now where they're yeah. a little bit afraid I don't know if afraid they don't look for contact um, didn't get any free throws didn't shoot free throws I texted you about this he cannot he does not go left out, out of his ISO possessions mm-hmm. and ball screens they were both. 85 or higher going right. So it's like, if I'm, a, if I'm coaching against that, if you just force him left, he won't do it. Like he, do, he doesn't go left. I, it, to I me generally feel like that's like, we, we always do that with left-handed people. And it's a, obviously a huge knock on Killian Hayes. <laughs> I generally feel like that's overrated, but we seem to skip over that when this guy's going <laughs> to the right every time. And that he's clearly right-handed. Correct. And it's funny. Yeah. Like, like, like you said, lefties get a knock on it. But if you're a righty who can only go right, it's, mm-hmm gets passed over i don't know why right um where did you had him 12 i had him 12 and i i think i think this is <laughs> i think this is the lonzo ball 
comparison. Like when we when we look yeah. at when we when we look at the, the film, we look at the style of play, we look at we look at all those things. I mean, Lonzo funky shot shot at forty one percent at UCLA. Hal Burton shot at funny shot at forty two percent at Iowa State. Like the scoring per forty minutes, sixteen point six, sixteen point six. The assists are almost the same. The rebounds are almost the same. The steals are almost the same. The and and most notably, Lonzo like notoriously never gets to the line, never gets to the basket, shot more right. free throws per game, per 40 minutes than Halliburton did. I, I think that's the comparison. And as I've said earlier, I, I like Lonzo. So I, I like – but what I like about Lonzo is I think he – I think he sees two steps ahead as well as almost anyone in the league. I think it's like when, when we talk about like reading the chessboard – I think like the three best player, the four best players in the league, because I should put LeBron in there too, are LeBron, Ricky Rubio, Nikola Jokic, and Lonzo Ball. And maybe people think that's crazy with Lonzo Ball, but I think like Lonzo is an elite level thinker out there and, and the way he sees things develop. And I do not see that same thing from Tyrese Halbert. So, so give me the same concerns about Lonzo Ball without the one thing that he's elite at. I, I, I'm pressing to even have him in my – in yeah. my lottery at all. I'm, he, he's also, obviously not a guy I'm landing with. The other thing, and we don't need to talk about him forever, but Iowa State was 12-20 and 20 last year. They were 0-11 on the road. They were 5-13 and 13 in the conference. Like, just win some games. Like, if you're this crazy playmaker, makes everyone around you better, like, then – don't don't have that bad a record. It's because you can't get buckets. That's so I don't know. Maybe and, I'm looking. And, and I, maybe I'm looking too much into the record. But no, I they. I mean, yeah. But again, <laughs> you can you can compare it with Lamelo. I think the difference is that that Tyrese Halliburton can't punish you with scoring off the dribble. Right. And and I, you're just. I'm sorry. You're not an elite playmaker. If right. you, if you can do that, you might be able to see the floor well, but you're not an elite playmaker. Um, that's the difference for me. So I had him twelve. Who is your 12? Tyrell Terry. Okay. I'm buying into it. Let's go. Of course you are. Um, Shooter. Yeah, I don't know. Minnesota guy. KOC Thanks. has him 8. Vicini has him 23. Draft Express has him 40th. Pelton has him, Pelton has him 25. Ford has him 19. Yeah, I just – if he's actually 6'3 now and if he's put on the strength, yeah. then he's Kyra Lewis' size with it being the elite shooter. Which is huge. <laughs> yeah, which like – so, I don't know. I I, I really like him, Minnesota kid. I, yeah, he I think was, it's gonna work. We uh, the combine was over Zoom this year, um, which is I, I went to the actual combine last year, and you get to interview these guys like in person, like at a table. It's, yeah, it's cool. It's like very very personal. Now it was over Zoom, and uh, whatever I did it, you know, probably about ten of these. Or I don't know, maybe I don't know how many of the prospects, the Zoom calls I went on. Tyrell Terry, like if I'm grading him, his was like the best speaker, all those yeah. sort of things. Like, I, well, I don't know how much I, all that matters, but like, I think it does. I, I think it does too. Like, he's I kind, know, of, been, he's kind of been overlooked a little bit. His whole, like he was not yeah. highly recruited, went to Stanford, didn't have huge expectations, turned yeah. out to be their best player. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I think guys like that, uh, I would, I would bet on. Yeah. I, I, I would just, the, the point I would throw in is I think a big reason why he got bet against was his size. His yeah. Whole life. That's fair. And I, we don't. For some reason, we don't know how tall he is or how big he is. He's allegedly grown a ton. And and if that's true, and if I was in the front office and I had that information, that would change the way. For I sure. Him. For me, he's not. He's not in. For sure. Um, he's not in my lottery. Um, Halliburton was my twelve. Number thirteen for me um, was Sadiq Bay. Okay. 
And I think we're officially at this point where I'm ready to take like a guy that I can bank on. Yeah. And I kept him out, but he, did. he, he was close. He, I'll, well, first I'll start off. He's, he's six foot eight, really, really tall, six ten, two hundred sixteen pounds. Um, O'Connor has him eighteen, Vicini has him fifteen, Draft Express has him seventeen, Pelton eighteen, Chad Ford fourteen. Um, I really went back to look at his defense because when we do this cliche three and D thing, like we 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 sometimes just give people those things when they don't have both of them. I think Sadiq Bay has the three part of that. Um, not only in his shooting 45, 46%, what he did on high volume there, but in the fact that he, you know, he, you gave him any space, he's getting a shot off. Mm -hmm. He, he, I think he will be a shooter at the next level. And I think he could do it all the way up to the power forward position. I think you can play him. You can play him at different spots. The thing that, that tempered my hype on him and why I won't, won't go higher is is that I was pretty concerned about him defensively from a from a speed yeah. standpoint and being able to move his feet, which, which to me then he's, you're kind of now we're talking about like more Neesmith. Yep. Um, defensively, I just think Neesmith is an elite level shooting prospect, whereas Bay is a good shooting level prospect. That's the the difference for me there. But I don't think we have the full like in pen three and D uh, for him. But he's a he's a guy I could see like playing on a playoff team next year, like maybe starting, maybe like the fifth yeah. starter, six man. No, I really like him. I, again, my like 13 through 17 could be super close. So I like him. I don't disagree with anything you said. Um, he's also, I think like coming from that program, Villanova, I just, I don't know. Guys tend to, I, he's going to be a good team defender. I mm -hmm. would, I would be shocked if he's not. Yeah. He might lack a little speed one-on-one, -on -one, but I think defensively he'll be, or team defensively, He'll be good. And what would help slot is I think he's going to be able to defend different positions again. Yeah. Up. Yeah. Like you, you're not going to have a, you're not going to be scared of putting him on a bigger guy, which you would for a lot of these for other sure. three and D type of guys. Um, 13 for you. Isaac Okoro. Okay. Oh yeah. So 14 is our last chance to have some, <laughs> the same guy. Is it? Yeah. Who's yours? Denny. Yeah, Dia. me too. <laughs> really? I thought it might we had be. A squeeze. I had a, yeah. I, I really wussed out, but yes, he's yeah. in there. Um, he's, Six foot nine, six foot nine wingspan, two hundred fifteen pounds. Kevin O'Connor has him fourth. Sam Vecini has him tenth. Draft Express has him fourth. Pelton has him sixth, and Chad Ford has him ninth. So we are way lower um, than everyone else. Yeah, Evidia. I just Denny Evdia. I don't know. I I'd be lying if I said like the KOCs of the world didn't skew it. Like if it was just me, and I hadn't seen anything. I don't think he'd be in the top in the lottery. Um, I just don't. I don't believe in a shot. I don't. I don't think he's going to be a good shooter. He might be like a, a, you know, he's a pretty good passer. He's got good size. He's, I think he could be solid, um, but I just, I don't see the upside that a lot of people talk about. I, and we did a, we did a Denny of Dia and RJ Hampton podcast. So we, we really went into this, like watched all of his film. And it was interesting. Dia's film was really interesting because pre-pandemic, he was playing in one role in one league and post-pandemic was playing in a different role in a lower league. Um, was used a lot more. The lower league thing is important because I've heard yeah. different podcasts talk about how be how much better he was post-pandemic, and I was like, all right, well, yeah, if somebody went and played in the G League post-pandemic after the NBA, they'd probably look a lot better as well. I don't think that's like a ridiculous – 
parallel to make there, which we, I mean, we see all the time. I think about the Timberwolves. I was talking, or we were talking about that. Like how much better is Nas Reed when he plays in? Yeah, Iowa. or even like Jalen Noel, who didn't play at all for the Wolves, shot yeah. like forty-five percent from three on huge volume. In yeah. the G- it's, it's the, the, le- the level yes, of overall competition different. matters. And if we're being fair, we don't really have a great idea of what either of the competitions are overall. But we know one is one is lower than the other. Right. And where he looked better was in the lower league. However. For me, he lost a lot of his grit. I saw him get worked a lot defensively. He just wasn't really, I don't know, maybe that just wasn't effort. Right. Thing. Um, wasn't putting in that effort defensively. And then, and then people said he fixed his shot, right? Like he, and it's because he, he came out and made, uh, where is it right here, of his. He made it a bunch in like the first yeah, two yeah. games. Yeah, his right? first five games back, he made 14 of his 29 threes. Yeah. And it was just obviously blown up on Twitter like, oh, here we go. Yeah. Um, but then he played 12 total games afterwards. So the next seven, he went seven of 35, which is 20%. So you put that all together 14 of 29, seven of 35, that averages out to yeah. 33%, which is what he's shot always. Like, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see a projectable jump shot. And quite frankly, I don't really see the path. I don't see the path to to one really high level skill. I'm so, with you. So part of me, I guess is just, or both of us is just banking on, you know, what some other people see that he is, that he's just solid enough overall to be good. Just another guy out there kind of like playing, but not, you know. Yeah. And maybe I'm mean, starting. I, and yeah. I, I don't know. I'm sure a lot of people disagree with this and whatever. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion there, but it's just for me, it's like, I'm not, to me, that's a guy like Sadiq Bay. That's like a guy. I'll, maybe I'll take late in the lottery. Right. Maybe a little bit after that. I. I just. I don't. I. For me personally, I don't get top four, top five pick at all. No. And and I guess trying to see the the holes in that is him being young, him playing in a league. I don't really understand. But if I'm just watching the basketball player, I don't see a ton. I'm of with, you. with you. Should we recap him? Let's recap him. Um. All right, how about this? You do your seven, I'll do my seven. Okay. And then, yeah. James Wiseman, Killian Hayes, Devin Vassell, Onekga Akangu, <laughs> I can't say his first name, Obi Toppin, Anthony Edwards, Kyra Lewis Jr. Uh, for me, number one is LaMelo Ball, two, Anthony Edwards, three, James Wiseman, four, Obi Toppin, five, Devin Vassell, six, Aaron Neesmith, seven, Isaac Okoro. So eight through 14 for me, LaMelo Ball, Aaron Neesmith, RJ Hampton, Tyrese Halliburton, Tyrell Terry, Isaac Okoro, and Denny Evdia. All right. Make sure you send me that list. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll post this on, on Twitter, too. My 8 through 14 are Killian Hayes, Anyeka Kangwu, Tyrese Maxey, Kira Lewis Jr., Tyrese Halliburton, Sadiq Bey, and, and Denny Evdia. Uh, those are our, our final list that are going to look really smart in some <laughs> ways and really stupid in other ways. I, I think I think this has made the draft. Um, I'm so much more excited for it on on November 18th. And uh, the team I cover, the Timberwolves, are obviously going to be honestly could wind up with any of these players drafting yeah. at one and and 17. And yeah, frequency to move. So I don't for my my Timberwolves listeners. I think these players are all relevant for sure know, to to have at least a base level understanding of. And and it's just going to be it's just going to be funny too to like three years from now listen back to this and be like. <laughs> I had Aaron Neesmith six, you know, or Danny of he's trying, like, you know, it's, you Aaron know, Smith is playing in China. <laughs> it, it, you know, it, it very well could be. It's just, this is our honest opinion, hopefully not 
skewed too much by other people's stuff. I, I tried to be like, what did you see mm-hmm. on the film rank off of that? And, and that's what we came to. So yeah, it was fun. Thanks for doing it. Will. Um, for sure. Will DeBerg, again, he is assistant men's basketball coach at the University of St. Thomas. You can follow him on Twitter at WDeBerg14. Um, I'm going to bug him draft night to react to whoever the whoever it is that the Wolves um, pick up and also going to find a way to keep having you on the podcast in, you know, in, in some capacity. Obviously, the draft stuff will become somewhat irrelevant soon, but but this is people have really enjoyed, you know, your opinion. And, uh, and I have too. It's – you know, we see we see it differently. Um, you know, different backgrounds or whatever. But it's uh, it's been fun, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been great. Cool. All right. Until uh, next week, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stops. Yeah. Green and hot, so you can find me in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever ever bring you down. Yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.